0: hi, Jill.
1: Hello, Brent. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this is another brunch with Brent, and uh, you have been wonderfully excited to be on. Um, And so I should introduce you a little bit more. So I'm joined here today by Jill Bryant-Reineker. And Jill, I would love for you to just give us a little taste of um, what you do.
1: So I am a co-host on Linux Weekly Daily Wednesday with Linux Gamecast on the Linux Gamecast network, and I do game streams with them, and I'm also the community organizer, otherwise known as the morale czar, (laughs) that's what they named me, (laughs) and I'm, so I, I do Lots of podcasts, and I love joining in uh, uh, with Linux Unplugged. And
0: Yeah, regular guests there. That's how we, we got to uh, kind of meet for the first time.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. And, and the Friday stream, which I do miss.
0: <laughs> mm, many of us do. Yeah, for sure.
1: And then I'm also um, in, I'm part of the uh, Big Danny Linux community as well. And uh, just was interviewed by Rocco too.
0: <laughs> I should also mention there's Linux Checks LA in there as well.
1: Oh yes, yes, uh, very, very important. Yes, I,
0: <laughs> I just want to point out that um, I gave a listen to your Linux Spotlight with with Rocco, which came out very recently, and. Um, and it was an amazing conversation. So I would uh, encourage everyone to go give that a listen. It was, I, I was laughing throughout. I was smiling. I learned a lot about you. So um, I'm going to try not to um, sort of repeat that because I think its it was a really great conversation everybody can enjoy. So I, I'm here, I think with you and I, we're just going to dive into a whole bunch of other stuff um, informed by that. So one thing I, I, I want to start with actually is how come you have such a bright and wonderful, um, personality that's so contagious. That's one of the things that just like was immediately apparent to me. And, uh, it seems like you're always smiling, uh, you know, for, for those of the podcasts that have a little bit of video. And, uh, do you get that a lot? Like people are just like attracted to you for that energy. It seems like a a really great gift.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I get that a lot. And, uh, I've just always, my glass has always been half full. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's such a nice way to look at the world, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about podcasting. So I know you've been doing it for a long time now. Um, And so give me a little taste of how you first got into it and uh, where you think it's going. And I know you wanted to mention Chris in there.
1: Yeah, so Chris Fisher, (laughs) you're the one who inspired me to get into Linux podcasting. I had been wanting to do this for so long. Um, I've had years of broadcasting experience. In fact, I did uh, produce and DJed my own show for almost 16 years in my 20s.
0: <laughs> Tell me more about that. That sounds really fascinating.
1: So um, I did it. It was a um, what we call synth music or krautrock music, electronic music show, and because it's it's. Not the genre music that is typically heard here in the United States, but it's a very uh, part of the European art scene and an experimental scene.
0: And how did you first get connected to that music then?
1: Well, I had been a listener for years on another radio show, and this is, this is you know, years ago in the 80s. <laughs> and um, I started uh, co-hosting on a radio show here um, in Los Angeles at Loyola Mary- Marymount University on a show called Alien Air Music.
0: I love that title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
1: Pat Murphy was the first to play this that genre of music. And then I decided to do my own show where I played, uh, you know, different music than he did. Some of the same overlap, but different. And, uh, you know, there were also no ladies into this genre of music.
0: <laughs> mm. mm-hmm.
1: And that was... That would be that was really interesting because a lot of the the musicians and artists who would contact me and send me music to plan my show thought I was a guy.
0: Interesting. Eh?
1: Yeah, cuz Jill is Gil in, you know, a lot of the European countries and uh, Russian.
0: That's fascinating.
1: Yeah, so they just assumed they were talking to a guy.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Do you? That's like maybe a, a strange advantage, actually, like a, a pen name of sorts. That's really funny.
1: Yeah, it, it it was. In fact, I taught one of the um, artists from Russia. His name is Edward Artemiev. He's done quite a few soundtracks, and I got to talk to him in um, on on the phone. And he was asking, you know, um, is 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 Gil Bryant at the residence? And I think oh, my dad answered yeah, the phone. Right. And oh, she's here! And I started talking, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this is like a lady. I'm, this is a girl. I've been communicating with a girl."
0: <laughs> That's funny
1: because <laughs> it's 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 like Linux and my all my other hobbies and that I'm into. It's it's male dominant, and I'm just used to that. <laughs>
0: Well, and I want to ask you a little bit more about that actually because um you know, Women in Tech is certainly a, a totally great thing and I'm a huge massive supporter of it. Um for those who have listened to the episode with L, there's a whole bunch on that topic. Oh, yes. Uh there, which was really great. Um but uh, you know, does that has that felt discouraging at any points? Like it sounds like in the mu- in this music scene and also in the Linux scene, you're, you're surrounded by a bunch of, of men, which of course it can be totally fine. Um, but has there been some challenges there too?
1: There has, but you know, it was in the beginning, like in the early years of Linux, I'd gone to, I'd gone to a lug and didn't feel welcome. Really? And I was just not even, I, they didn't even acknowledge me.
0: Oh that's so sad.
1: Yeah, I was going up to introduce myself and say who I who I am and and I didn't get acknowledged and that was yeah, really you know, that really depressed me and then I found out it turned out that my brother had worked with, with the person who ran that particular lug and said, "Oh, he's a bad seed." <laughs> so, oh wow. Yeah.
0: It sounds like it wasn't about you, it was more about him.
1: No. It's just, I guess he's just like that to everyone, but all the people that were part of that community were really nice. I wore one of my first Linux shirts, which was user bin girl from think geek, you know, years ago. (laughs) And I wore that and I got a lot of comments from the community there, but I just, it was really, I felt like I, you know, it was very standoffish.
0: Hmm, That's too bad.
1: And, um, and my brother said, yeah, he was really hard to work with.
0: So that was your one of your first experiences with that, but as far as I understand now, for instance, with like Linux checks and things like that there's there's a whole positive spin to it, right?
1: yeah, and then after that, you know I went a couple of years without you know i was you know I've always been a huge Linux user and had been using it and uh but and you know I'd started using it in literally ninety three <laughs> so and I wanted to get involved more in the community, and that was. That was really sad, but things changed. <laughs>
0: yeah, so this users group, um, did you go that one time and then feel kind of turned off and not go again? I,
1: I did go again, and I still felt, you know, I figured, well, let me give it another chance. Good for you. Yeah, and I still felt not comfortable.
0: <laughs> so not your place then, not your kind of people.
1: Yeah, and uh, but then yeah, a few years later... Um, I wanted to attend Scale, the Southern California Linux Expo, and purposely sought out the Linux chicks of Los Angeles, because I know you know they were like-minded ladies in the field, and I had seen um, their uh, meetings posted on the internet and um, the articles about the different conventions and the Linux chicks that were in um, uh, the Linux Journal, our favorite Linux Journal is <laughs> gone now. <laughs> but I, I knew I wanted to connect for, with them, and that was one of my f- main reasons for going to Scale. And that was uh, Scale 5X, and the first place I went after I registered is um, the, the gentlemen, the workers there were nice. Then it was Gareth Grenaway and Elon Rabinovich, and Gareth actually <laughs> directed me straight. He, he, he took me straight to the Linux Chicks LA booth. And I would have gone to scale the the previous couple of years. But I was a little nervous. I thought, well, maybe I just I'm I'm not as good enough in Linux, you know.
0: Did you feel like you might have had that same initial experience then?
1: Yes. And there was a little bit of that too. I was a little felt a little nervous about that. But it was the exact opposite. I went to the booth and they had a they had a questionnaire on what apps you use on Linux. And I named named all my favorites, of course, um, the GIMP and and um Inkscape, then and Blender, and um, uh, Xterm—you know ev- everything.
0: So it sounds like you're well versed for sure.
1: Yeah, I-, I wrote down like literally like fifty apps I use, and then <laughs> the- then my favorite window managers. <laughs> you know,
0: you put an S on that, which I love.
1: Window Maker, you know, Flexbox, Open Box, TWM—the the whole nine yards and they were just kind of blown away. They're like, oh my gosh, you, you, you know all the, the stuff you've been using Linux for so many years. <laughs> well,
0: and that's what I love is, is like, there's many of us who are just kind of like, before we get introduced to the community, the greater community, there's a lot of us doing some cool stuff kind of just in the shadows a little bit, right? And I think for you and I now, it's our job to kind of invite them out and say, hey, Come on out here! Like uh, it's pretty friendly out here. So, um, but please continue the Linux chicks uh, story. That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what was what was so amazing? It was one of the best days, honestly, of my life. Going to that first day at scale.
0: Wow, that is huge.
1: And then, then going to the Linux chicks booth, and within literally twenty minutes, they're like, they're like, they they just give me gave me hugs and. It was exact opposite of what I experienced before in the whole scale community, you know, it was just a big, it's just, if you're a Linux user, you got a hug. <laughs> and they're just inviting me and I'm like, oh, come, come behind the booth, Jill. And then I started helping them with their booth and we were best friends forever from that point on. <laughs>
0: Wow. That sounds like a really powerful experience for you.
1: It it was. And that was, you know, early 2000s. So,
0: (laughs) And so you were a big Linux fan before going there, but I imagine having this experience, you were just a fan for life after that.
1: All of a sudden, I was part of the community and that just... That's that's what did it was my my scale family and my Linux chicks LA family.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, and that family continues up to today. Like you're still quite a bit involved. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh yes, so so it didn't take uh, just literally that day, and they made me. You know, their Sharon's like she was the president at the time, and within a few days, she's like Jill. You're now a co-organizer of the Linux Chicks Los Angeles. Wow,
0: that's awesome.
1: <laughs> so there's three of us that are co-organizers. So it's an amazing organization, you know, basically to, to you know, help get not only ladies in, into Linux and uh, diversity in Linux, but men also. You know, we were uh, not gender exclusive so we have just as many men in our group as women
0: (laughs) which is great I I I really applaud that um, sentiment of trying to be inclusive to everyone um, and not necessarily um, leaving anybody out right Uh, I think that's super important even if you come at it from from sort of a a different angle so um, yeah kudos to you guys that's really important work I think that's great
1: in fact at our meetups we do hands-on workshops teaching how to install linux on raspberry pis and on computers and we encourage you know new users you know anyone to come and usually we have more men than 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 women but that's kind of normal <laughs> so there's just more more you know uh, men getting into it than women so
0: and how do you think um for yourself how do you, like what what led you to being just hooked on computers, because I know from what I've learned recently that you have a number of them behind you and, and all of that stuff. But I, I, I know you had a brother who was interested in it. And what was this an older brother?
1: Yes. Yes. He's four years older. His name is Jack. So it's Jack and Jill. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh, interesting. I have an older brother named Chris, who's four years older, who got me into computers. So that's really similar, actually.
1: Oh that's awesome Brett. We have something in common.
0: We have tons in common.
1: Yeah, oh yes. Yes, we have everything so much in tech.
0: <laughs> um and so I imagine Jack had a huge influence on you.
1: Yes, definitely. He was one of the the first um um people to get into IT in the 80s, you know, and that was before most people even had computers at home. So and we we had just about everything at home and he had a, had elite BBS. It was truly elite. In fact, he ended up getting jobs uh, working directly with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs because of that BBS. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. That that sounds amazing. And um, and your grandparents too had some kind of connection there as well, right?
1: Yes. Apollo. Yeah. They were because um, uh, here I live in the middle. That's that's why I grew up here is because of aerospace. You know, we have JPL and SpaceX and. And um, Northrop Grumman, and which was TRW, and International Rectifier, and all the big... This is the think tank area where, where a lot of the um, products are made that go into space.
0: <laughs> that sounds so fascinating. I want to know so much more.
1: <laughs> My grandparents were both uh, top, top you know, secret with Apollo. So I just, I grew up with that. And my grandfather worked, grandmother both worked, built tubes for the very first computers. So it's just been part of my family.
0: Right. So how could you not be influenced by that? Yeah. It sounds like there's a real, um, there's a real trade of that being hand, handed down throughout your family. So that's a kind of an amazing history, actually.
1: Yeah. I'm very, very proud of it. My, uh, give you a little bit, my grandmother, was the one who built the engine that brought Apollo 13 home.
0: Oh man.
1: Uh that was her engine. It wasn't intended it was intended for the 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 LEM not to bring them home, but it had enough power and was built so well that it could bring them back to earth.
0: <laughs> wow, that's unbelievable.
1: She got a medal from the president and everything for that. So <laughs>
0: That's so cool. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just got to pause for a moment. There's, there's, it's, it sounds to me so you started at a very young age being interested in computers then. And, um, and so that has brought you all the way to today where you, that hasn't given up in any way, it seems like, right? You're still, you seem like a, a, a tinkerer at heart and, uh, just a voracious
1: learner for sure. Yeah. And, you know, my brother always says, well, it wasn't just that we had it. Had it around in the house and you had access. You wanted to do it. You, you had the drive to learn how to build computers. You know, I, I took our Apple II apart, which much to my sh- parents' chagrin.
0: As long as you put it back together,
1: right? <laughs> I put it back together and got it working. And then the first computer I really built was my 286. So, and I did animation on it and, uh, led to my, uh, becoming an animator later in life.
0: <laughs> so I want to dive into that a little bit, because I think, as you know, I'm a, I'm a photographer, and I do all my stuff on Linux. Um, and uh, Cheese does some design work, um, some of it on Linux. Uh, and so I want to jump in a little bit about sort of how you feel about the creative community. Um, using Linux, because as far as I understand that's that's a relatively new thing. Um, of course you're maybe a bit of an exception to that, but give me a, give me a little bit of your perspective on that.
1: Well, you know, originally in the eighties, you know, I was using a PC at home to do animation because I couldn't afford the, you know, $50,000 Unix. Of
0: course. Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) You know, and the, um, you know, software that they were using for animation at the time. So, the industry honestly uh, is particularly with film, not so much broadcast TV, which is still predominantly, you know, Mac and Windows, but still Linux on the back end for rendering. But uh, the film industry really, they just moved to directly from Unix to Linux. And one of the, the um, pieces of software that brought about that change was Maya. Originally, it was alias Wavefront. For Unix, and then it moved over to Linux. And as soon as that started happening, all the softwares, uh, proprietary and open source, started moving to Linux, not just for rendering, but uh, for creative content.
0: Do you have any idea what was the original impetus for them to make that switch?
1: Price, cost, cost. Because in the film, see, in TV, they actually have more money to spend on their productions. In film, you know, they have like a two-year span and they can only spend a certain amount. And that's what it was. It was, it was a, the ability to have not just free software, but maybe even more important to that, to be able to develop the software that they wanted, you know, with an open operating system. So they can add, like, for instance, Pixar and Disney, um, they have software they developed under Linux just for doing like underwater scenes and finding Dory and finding Nemo. And all that development was, you know, done on Linux. They use, you know, they use Maya and Blender and a lot of different software packages together, as well as proprietary, but Disney is in the process. They've been open-sourcing a lot of their animation software. And what was really cool is recently, um, actually two years ago at Seagraph, the big international computer animation convention, someone in the audience had asked, one of the developers of um, the software they were using for Finding Nemo if it was going to come to Windows. And they said, we don't need to bother. Uh, we, we're using Linux. <laughs> and I was just like, yay!
0: <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and they even had System76 laptops <laughs> on stage. It was awesome.
0: That makes me smile because that's exactly how I feel about it, right? It's like, why would we translate the software to Windows when that feels like a downgrade, right? Yeah. And, and that Linux is available to everyone.
1: And then another thing is with recently, it's just over a year old, the Academy Software Foundation has been incredible because it's, it's helping all these companies and businesses who want to start using open source software, not with just usability, but the licenses and everything they need. And it's specifically made for Hollywood. And, you know, Blender was the forefront of that movement back in the early 2000s. I've been using it since then. <laughs> so,
0: And so do you have any personal experience with that foundation then?
1: Uh, no, but I am thinking of becoming a little bit more involved. And I did get to talk to the executive uh, producer um, at the Open Source Summit recently in San Diego. <laughs> there was a long, long line of people to t- talk to him after he did a talk, uh, uh, talking about you know, doing an introduction about the Academy Software Foundation and and what it's doing in the industry. It was a you know a, a learning tutorial for new people who didn't know. And so most of the people that were in line were young students who want to get in the animation industry. <laughs> 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 so so I came up to him. I was at one of the I was the last person to talk to him, and I said, "Oh no, I'm a podcaster, and I, I've been talking about the Academy Software Foundation um, since the beginning. I do." you know, Linux pod news podcast. And I said, I've been working in the industry for years. Um, the companies I work for, we've had, you know, multiple awards, everything from, from Webbies and Tellies to Emmys. And um, I've been in it for many years. <laughs> and And he was just like, oh, Jill, I want to talk to you. <laughs> he was really, he was so excited to talk to someone that was in the field you know <laughs> at the linux convention yeah
0: instead of necessar- just students yeah. and and so did you guys go for coffee or something or did you keep chatting
1: no he had to uh, he had to take a plane home
0: time constraints that's always the challenge
1: yeah but he talked with me a good half hour we had a had a nice chat
0: <laughs> that must have been great
1: yeah <laughs> so that was really nice and i got to tell him you know my experience and 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 how it's, it's changed. It's, you know, not just Linux on the back end anymore. It's, it's in the development and uh, creative now. So on the front end, <laughs> yeah, on the front end,
0: which is so nice to hear, like, um, from my perspective, with photography, you know, we're using similar tools, but a little bit different. Um, and so I've watched even in the last, oh, gosh, I guess it's almost eight, nine, ten years, something like that. I've watched the software grow quite a bit and enable um, many of us to do it full-time with the tools that are available in open source um, as opposed to the commercial stuff. And so it sounds like the tra- transition that animation um, and film made uh, many years ago um, seems to be just happening now.
1: It's so true. You know, now the graphics arts are just and photography, it's really starting to to come of age now. So that's... Yeah, it's been really awesome. <laughs>
0: of course, I'm biased, but that's very exciting. Um, and I hope it can reach as wide an audience as it as it has. Um, in in your world, really.
1: Yeah, I think it. I I definitely know it will. I mean, you've got you know programs like Darktable that are really you know taken off, and then you have you know Krita and GIMP and Photopea and all the open source <laughs> software that you can use now uh, in Inkscape under Linux. That's really you know taking over. And now we we also have the proprietary, have DaVinci Resolve, which has taken over the Adobe suite in the industry because it's, you know, it's, it's premiere and After Effects all in one. (laughs)
0: Um, you mentioned something that I want to go back to a slight, for a slight moment. Um, you mentioned during your experience in film, you worked with a whole bunch of, um, businesses that, that got a whole bunch of awards. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about that time in your life?
1: Yeah, no problem. So it was after I graduated. I was the very first computer animation graduate from the Cal State System. I was what was called a special major. I created my own. I combined communications, fine arts, and computer science.
0: Oh, cool. That's such a great combination.
1: Uh, Yeah. And, you know, it took a year to get it approved, but they were all so impressed. Like, this is the future. This is, you know, back then we called it the information superhighway, you know, the yeah, future right. of, of the creativity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, in fact, I had to do a talk in front of the director of the Cal State system. And that was the big term was the information superhighway was going to bring, you know, creativity to a new level. <laughs>
0: And has it? Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, we don't right. call it
1: the information superhighway anymore.
0: Right. Things have changed.
1: Things have changed. But yeah, so I had created my own major. So what had happened is after I graduated, you know, I was real a nervous student, you know, wanted to get into the field, but I'd already had worked most of my life doing animation, all back, you know, to the Apple II when I was a little kid. And um uh worked really really hard and then I got connected with a freelance animator and who had a studio and did quite a bit of work for him starting in the in the mid nineties and on. And we uh he had contracts um actually you know because we worked together for a long quite a few years and we had contracts with with uh Fox and um Uh, Warner Brothers, um, Disney, ESPN, um, Electronic Arts, and um, yeah, (laughs) so one of the first pieces I worked on, my very first animation, was, of all things, a commercial for the Russian hockey team. That was going to be viewed on ESPN. So whenever they traveled and they were, you know, one of the the top teams at the time. So wherever they traveled, the commercial ran. And I saw it for like five years after I had done it. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Uh, That got nominated for an Emmy. Wow.
0: That must feel pretty good.
1: Oh, God. My very first piece I had ever done for the industry (laughs) gets nominated for an Emmy. (laughs) And, and... And um Kevin and my other animator we worked together he's like Jill he goes your career is set you have <laughs> you have Emmy on your resume <laughs> it's like Emmy just even being nominated cuz at the time it was the it was 1998 and that was the first year that a commercial that was all computer graphics was uh, was one of the topics for nomination so the first CG uh commercial And, um, so that was a big deal and there were, you know, like over 500 submissions and, uh, yeah, that was a big deal.
0: Does that feel a bit surreal at this point? Like revisiting that?
1: Yes. Yeah. I watch it and I said, oh gosh, it looks so amateur, but at the time it was high tech, you know? Yep. Yep. (laughs) And that actually, the other significant thing about that piece is one of the reasons that the studios give freelancers their work is, um, is that they don't have time to do it in-house. And so you have a major deadline. You know, we're staying up for, for days without sleep to get, get, <laughs> get it rendered, and which can take time. So after you create it, then you have to have time to render it. Well, we didn't have a, a, enough power to, to make that final uh, render, to get it to them in two days. So I actually stayed up all night that first night As you know, I I created the my animation I need to, and my model modeling, and I stayed up all that night and built another computer, which was a four eighty six at the time, (laughs) to to so I could render. So I'd have three computers I could render with at home, and then that started my render farm, which later grew into a Pentium, you know, dual processor Pentium Pro to to uh, quad processor Xeons and DEC Alphas and and. And the whole nine yards. But yeah, and what was really neat is he told the company, he goes, he goes, my animator built an extra computer just so that we can get this job done.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's dedication, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's something about having a need that just drives you.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so I did that piece. And then, you know, we, they've got like 20 Tellies and Webbies and then um, an Emmy in the future but that was kind of what launched that. And uh, I could, I could tell you one other project I'm really proud, proud of.
0: Sure. Please <laughs> oh do. Gosh. Put it out into the world. <laughs> I know. It sounds great. Oh my
1: God. This is so, <gasps> Oh my God. I'm telling the world. This.
0: <laughs> you don't have to.
1: No, but this is, I, I, I'm t- it's, it's time. I, Cause this was very special. Um, yeah. So we actually ended up doing the editing on the trailer for The Perfect Storm.
0: Right, which which many of us probably have seen.
1: Yes, and most people have seen it, so a lot of people have seen my work. But the really cool thing is we worked really hard, not just on the editing, but we created our own effects for that final wave scene because we didn't, we didn't like what the studio gave us, and we didn't think it looked kind of real enough. So then, at the time, the studios um, water has and what we call caustics has always been hard to render, and we didn't and no there was no one piece of software that did water really, really well. Um, it would do the mass like an ocean mass or mask a mass or a lake, but it, it was not good at doing splashes and waves.
0: Where there's a lot of different details and reflections and all that movement. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And studios were able to do a lot of that, but they achieved that with, you know, really like hundreds of people, you know, trying to get this right. And it was just me and one other animator. <laughs>
0: So uh, um, not as many resources?
1: (laughs) Not as many resources. And darn it. And one reason I wanted to bring this project up is because, darn it, I wish we had open source software then. (laughs) So this is, you know, 2000 and and we just didn't have that. So we had to combine. I combined um, uh, some effects from 3D Studio, um, release R4 for DOS. This is before, you know, I did that on Windows. And uh, Lightwave um we had some maya in there and um i had to write a script that would go from one program to another to get the effects that we needed because one program would have the ef- part of the effect and the other program would have the other <laughs> so so to make this the splash look real you know we had to use several different programs of different particle systems from different programs and then i would script it and we added chaos to it and um That ended up on the final splash of the wave, and the big deal there was that the studio was so blown away with what we had done that that's what was part of the original film.
0: <laughs> oh wow, that's cool. Yeah,
1: so it became uh so that was one of the first films that we had worked on.
0: Oh, that's unbelievable instead of just a commercial for instance.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow, you must feel super proud about putting that work in and then having it be recognized.
1: Yeah. And it was just it was a lot of it was is so much just thinking about it. I remember, you know, going to Kevin's house and we were, you know, just you know, pounding our heads, like, how are we going to achieve this? You know, it was just because we didn't, you know, the tools weren't available and we didn't have access to those at home, you know, at our, in our own studios, like Warner Brothers did and Pixar, you know, so, but then we were able to do something that they were having a hard time achieving. So that was a proud.
0: So so two people beat a hundred people. Yeah. That's so cool. Good for you. Uh, and thank you for sharing that story. That's amazing. That's a really amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm sharing it on the internet. <laughs>
0: cool. <laughs> now it's out there.
1: It's so funny because <laughs> that's what's unique. Also about podcasting, I've been behind the scenes most of my life, you know, except for, you know, doing my my teaching and teaching computer animation and motion graphics with my students. And they've seen, you know, we you know, as instructors, show the students our work um, after they've been taking the class a while, so they can see what you can do, and it helps them get them inspired. But I've never put this out really on the on the internet too much, except talking with Ven and Pedro on LWW in the pre show and after show with our our. Um, our patrons and, and chat. So <laughs> I've shared some with them, but not in an interview <laughs> or chat.
0: Well, thank you for sharing it. I feel like a lot of people would love to are gonna love that story. So that sounds amazing. Um how do you think that open source would have changed that story a little bit?
1: Oh boy. Well I would have had I could have had tools more like Blender <laughs> at that time. <laughs> You know, we could have hired a software developer to, you know, help us uh, do these special particle systems, you know?
0: <laughs> so you feel like it would have made it easier than trying to daisy chain and pull like little pieces from all these different tools and, and have them create the effect that you needed, right?
1: A- and now, you know, a lot of the, the freelancers that are left do have a lot of developers because in the animation industry, half of it is, you know, we need coders and developers to create create the software needed.
0: Well, I love the juxtaposition between technical creativity, which would be the developers who are trying to achieve a vision, and the actual, like, the, the visual creativity as well, and how those two now these days um, are are such a cool place that, that technical people who traditionally haven't been seen as creative can really show their creativity in many ways.
1: Right? Yes, definitely. And yeah, as you know, it's just as much technical as it is um, creative and artistic, And especially in the freelance world, where you kind of you've got to know everything, you got to be a jack of all trades
0: or a jill of all trades.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I encourage that in my students because a lot of times, you know, they want to be character animators or do textures or do sound or or do lighting. And I try and give them as broad experience. I you know want them to create their own movies with all these elements together, so they get. To learn a little bit of everything, so they can see what emphasis they would like to, what area they'd like to focus on, but also set so that they're well-rounded for the industry. Because I want my students, you know, I want them to not just learn character animation. Um, a lot of the other schools, that's what they they just churn out students learning, you know, character or, or materials, but they don't focus on the whole person and the whole, you know area of knowledge. And I even um, not only, of course, teach them Linux, but also um, I always do a session on how to build a computer because that has helped me. And it's good for them to to know how it all works.
0: And do you feel like the the students are responsive to that these days?
1: Oh, yes. They're coming to me knowing that this is the field they want to get into. Most, like half my students want to get into the field. So they're willing to learn and they understand that they need to, need to know a lot of this for to be relevant in the, in the industry. And uh, so they not only coming in with that art background with, with life drawing and years of drawing and painting and sculpting and, and color theory and um, uh, computer graphics with, with um, Photoshop or GIMP or Inkscape and, you know, all those skills, but they also need to know the technical, very important.
0: (laughs) Well, and I, I totally associate with your giving them like a rounded view of the industry, and then allowing them to jump into a niche. Uh, because I feel like um, the same is true with podcasting, right? Is that if you if you if you know all of the pieces that go into sort of the whole pipeline, um, then you have this perspective uh, that even if you're only working on a little piece of it, um, you have this perspective that makes your, your work sort of fit in in a different way, or or allows you to solve different puzzles right with that creativity
1: exactly solve different problems you realize okay well i'm doing i'm working on, like if they're doing materials i'm working on this material well how can i help help the people that are animating these materials
0: also thinking of the impact later on in the process oh that's really fascinating
1: that's always been a a goal is to make sure they're really well-rounded and um you know that that also that they have learned to have a really good work ethic because the hours are grueling. <laughs> so can be grueling.
0: <laughs> well, in anything you love, it, it is. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. In anything you love, yeah, whatever you're doing.
0: <laughs> the cool thing I've noticed is when you're working on something so passionately, you kind of forget about time and you forget about, um, you know, That staying up all night is kind of crazy, right?
1: Yes. It's happening to me right now with podcasting.
0: (laughs) Oh, really? In what way?
1: Well, just doing all the research for it. I try and get to bed at a halfway decent time, but ended up staying up sometimes till two and three in the morning, reading Linux news stories for my show. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So and listening to all the podcasts, because I love all the Linux podcasts and I listen to them all.
0: Pretty soon, it, it, you're gonna have. There's gonna be too much content for you to possibly take in, right?
1: Yeah, and it's already kind of coming to that because there's there's uh, new shows coming out, and I'm just like, I can't keep it all up, <laughs> up, and but I try to.
0: <laughs> you can just play it while you're sleeping. <laughs> I've I've heard it gets in your brain, anyways.
1: <laughs> and I just love it. I'm just living it. In fact, I'm not doing much watch watching other content than YouTubers and Twitch streamers and, and podcasts. It's been pretty much my life because I've just loved it and just going, you know, putting myself all into it. And I love it. (laughs) I love all the communities.
0: (laughs) Does that feel like a big treat for you now? How, when you were first starting, maybe the community um, or Linux wasn't spoken as publicly and that now it's sort of Everywhere,
1: yes, we have uh, bloomed. The flower has, you know, spread forth. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: about time.
1: <laughs> and this is what we've needed for me. It's a continuation of the community we have at scale in the Linux conventions and the lugs. You know, this is a continuation of that. The podcasting it's you know, online lugs like Linux Unplugged, one of my favorite shows. <laughs> so.
0: mm. Well, thanks. Yeah, the the Linux Unplugged. I, I think, as I've mentioned before, it is the reason I'm even here, um, and it sounds like that was a huge impact for you as well.
1: I started watching Jupiter Broadcasting in the beginning, since it was the computer action show, and not the Linux action before it was the Linux action show. And I was listening to Jupiter at night and stoked, <laughs> and I'd always wanted to become involved in the Jupiter Broadcasting community. But at the time, I was really busy with my, you know, my animation career and had, I already had so many hobbies.
0: (laughs) I've heard you have a few.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Including collecting vintage computers. I have several hundred. (laughs) So (laughs) when I started podcasting with Linux Gamecast and I knew that was the community I wanted to start with because that's the one one I, I became friends with everyone and because it had a graphics end to it it was Linux Gamecast it was gaming on Linux and I had done some work in the field I'd worked uh, as I mentioned earlier a little bit for elect, actually a lot for electronic arts <laughs> uh, doing game development and um 3D models and artwork. So and Linux GameCast, Linux gaming was my passion. And this is, you know, the days before Steam, before we had Proton and and all that. You know, after I started with Linux GameCast, uh, I've been full-time with them now a year and a half. And I knew it was time to start giving back to the Jupyter Broadcasting community because of all the wonderful Linux content that Chris has worked so hard and all of you work so hard um and uh who he has uh he has given us so much in the linux community and um over the years and i just wanted to give back and that's uh, one of the reasons i wanted to get involved in Jupyter broadcasting so i wanted to get help give back to the community that chris worked so hard to create and and just it's my my thank you to him <laughs>
0: Wow. Well, I, I'm sure he'll listen to this and I'm sure that means a heck of a lot to him for sure. And it does to me as well as, as purely a member of the Jupiter broadcasting community. Uh, I feel like, you know, if we all have gained so much from it and continue to gain so much from it, and it's that, that giving back somehow, um, whether it's just, Come in to say hi at a conference or something like that. Um, all of those little gestures make a huge difference, right? And of course, you've um, you've showed up quite a bit in in the mumble room when we're doing Linux Unplugged on a weekly basis live, uh, which anybody can join. And um, and it's been so nice to have someone like you there um, because it just like it adds to the diversity of all the people that are included in that group, right? And it's I, I know you and I. Uh, Sometimes after the show, we just end up just chatting for for no reason and just having a really good time.
1: Oh, I love all you guys. You, Brent, and Cheese Bacon, and Wes, and Joe, you all, you know everyone in, in the Jupiter broadcasting community and L I love L I was so happy to see another uh, see another lady in Linux broadcasting after I started you know I'm like oh good Chris has L now <laughs> yay
0: yeah for sure and Angela I think she's been behind the scenes which is kind of a thing you mentioned right like there's a lot of people behind the scenes that don't always get seen
1: yeah and I loved her. Her uh, woman in tech uh, podcast she was doing, and the faux show, and yeah, Angela has been amazing driving force in uh, Jupiter Broadcasting. So I've always looked up to her too <laughs> a lot.
0: That's great. And um, you mentioned some of the earlier shows. It sounds like um, you know more about the history of Jupiter Broadcasting than I do in many ways because I came to it a little bit later.
1: I'm I just a, a ravenous listener, you know. <laughs> I was so quiet other than you know, I donated and you know, I've been a patron of Jupiter Broadcasting since the very beginning, but I've been, you know, I was buying the t shirts and I have the challenge coin and
0: <laughs> Wow. You're <laughs> you're outdoing a lot of us, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so I wanted to give back and also because Ven Stone, the producer of Linux Gamecast, got his start because of Jupiter Broadcasting.
0: Oh, cool. I'm learning all of these things this is really cool, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that you know there are a lot of communities now, and you're part of a lot of them,
1: yes, <laughs> and
0: that we all have our you know concentrated times like okay, Tuesdays at at whatever time it is in your local time there's Linux unplugged, and then you can bounce to another one somewhere else that has a bit of a different crew and some overlapping um, community members too, and go be a part of that community as well, right?
1: I just love that. <laughs>
0: I think you're totally going to agree with me um, in that it it's really special how it's okay to be a part of all of them. Yes. And that there are all these connections that happen between all of them, like a web of of really neat interconnections, right? And that, that we all grow because of it.
1: Yeah, we all grow and we all all learn, you know, in different points of view. Like, for instance, I'm doing, you know, LWDW uh, is a Linux news show well, of course, Jupiter Broadcasting has lots of Linux news shows, <laughs> including uh, Linux Unplugged and Linux Action News and all the other shows. But we all cover different things. We have our uniquenesses and, and the as in, uh, not in just uh, the stories, but in how we we uh, produce them and how we talk about them. So, you know, we all all learn from each other. We all share, you know, knowledge. We're sharing knowledge. <laughs>
0: yeah which is is that's open source right is is sharing all of it exactly I, I appreciate in the podcast that there's different perspectives and different ways of presenting the information like as you know as a teacher not everybody learns the same and not everybody connects with information in the same way right so to have it be presented in all these different ways is a huge asset and 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 kudos to open source for um keeping that spirit of of sharing and and collaboration right?
1: That's what's just so amazing. I love. We've spread that to the internet, the Linux community, and all their, you know, used to be, you know, these quiet lugs and conferences are now spreading that love online.
0: (laughs) It's spreading everywhere. It's awesome. (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about um, some of the other conferences, because you mentioned scale, uh, but it sounds like you bounce around a little bit more, too.
1: Yeah. So... Oh gosh, I want to go to Linux Fest Northwest because it's the the next big one that I haven't been to yet that I've been wanting to go.
0: It's amazing. I'm totally biased because that was my first experience with conferences, but yes. it would be great to see you there.
1: Oh, I'd love to go. So I'm going to work on that. But I do, we've been having uh, here in Los Angeles uh, quite a few um, open source summit uh, conferences as well, which are fun. They're not quite as community based. But they're, they're growing a little bit more in that way, but it's, it's, it's more, you know, big business. But I, you know, I go for, um, the hallway track, you know, so.
0: It's the best place to be.
1: It's the best part of a convention anyways, really. (laughs) The talks are wonderful. Expo hall is incredible, but it's those connections that you make in the hallway track that i
0: love that's what's really memorable i find
1: yeah <laughs>
0: tell me i i'm interested a little bit more in um some of your teaching Ah. <laughs> uh, because you mentioned it sort of in some of your stories it was the it was some key aspects in some of your stories but um what inspired you to move from kind of being the professional doing stuff behind the scenes to sharing that knowledge
1: You know what? I always was. I actually started out um, in the uh, 90s as a a tutor in the animation department. And then I went to TA and then ended up being on the board of directors for the department. (laughs) And and so I had always been doing that um, uh, through my college years. And um, that helped me get a lot of connections, actually, you know, because I was doing that and had that experience um, that helped me with my work experience, uh, getting into freelance work. So yeah, I ended up doing the teaching first.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then it both existed at the same time. And I feel like that's the real gift of, 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 of a teacher. Sometimes you see, um, and maybe now I'm starting to speak about my personal experience, but you're, uh, sometimes you see teachers who were in the industry and, um, either have retired or decide to get out for some reason and they teach and they don't they don't always have the same perspective as someone who's working in it, uh, alongside the teaching. Right. And so I really appreciate how you are kind of doing both. And that's the best benefit for the students, right. Is that you're, you're teaching them exactly what's happening in the industry today.
1: And I get that actually from my students, cause they, you know, know a lot of their other instructors, you know, used to, to do their profession, you know, and they're, they're now just teaching. And so I get, my students were, are always amazed, and you're still doing this, and they're they're thrilled that I'm doing podcasting too, <laughs> and they like that I'm I'm what we we call it Twitch tubing t- Twitch tuber, <laughs> and they're like, cool, my teacher is a, a Twitch streamer, <laughs> you know, <It's> like <laughs> but yeah, just just uh, you know, being able to to share that enthusiasm with them and all the areas that I love. And then I'm still continuing to do work and, um, just love that.
0: <laughs> you're giving back to the community in so many different ways, you know, from teaching to, um, some of the podcast stuff that you're doing and even just showing up at, at conferences and, and Linux chicks. And so, uh, thank you. I will say from the community for your your big, big heart and your giving back—it's—it's it's really uh, meaningful.
1: Oh, it's been an honor to do it. It really has. This community is amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it's and it's growing and it's continuing to be even more amazing, which is which is such a treat.
1: And what's really been. really exciting for me is a lot of my students who end up getting work in the industry and becoming you know producers and animators and whatnot are part of the linux community now and part of the linux chicks
0: you're seeing them evolve in in your footsteps almost right
1: (laughs) yeah they in fact they call they call themselves jill (laughs) siples
0: that's awesome <laughs> you have a following yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's so funny because at scale when i was introducing all the linux game casts, all our hosts who um a lot of people at scale they're like oh is another student another student another former student. <laughs> you know yay bringing them in <laughs>
0: well that must mean you're doing some good work
1: yeah <laughs>
0: that's good feedback I want to say thank you so, so much for chatting. I know you and I will continue to have these kind of conversations and maybe we can share some of them in the future as well. Um, but thank you so much for your time. And this was really, really fun.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brent. This is an honor. And I, I can actually say, you know, it's kind of a dream come true. I've always wanted to get involved in Jupiter broadcasting. So,
0: <laughs> well, here you are. Thank you so much for, for, for being involved in many ways. Um, Is there anywhere that you'd like to send people if they want to get connected with you or just hear you giggle or those kind of things?
1: (laughs) Uh, So um, I get several places. One is um, at Twitter, at Jill underscore Linux Girl. And at Mastodon, at Jill underscore Linux Girl at mast.linuxgamecast.com. And on email, it's Jill at (laughs) LinuxGameCast.com
0: I wondered if you had an ask of the community Um, either like uh, something you'd like them to do or explore or try
1: Yes, so I actually have two things.
0: Okay, great, bring it on
1: (laughs) (laughs) One is a, a current news story that's been happening Please help support, support the GNOME Foundation and fighting the Shotwell image app patent troll, and help send a message to patent trolls everywhere that they should never target free software. This this is scary. This can be very scary, especially if it's Rothschild that's behind it, and it's not good.
0: The implications are huge, right? And so, if we if we can kind of get together and make a difference, I think uh, that speaks volumes.
1: Yeah, and you know, I had donated the first day I found out about it <laughs> immediately and um, and if you can't donate monetarily, just spread the word on social media and on the internet. you know it all, all it takes is one person to spread the word, and a hundred people will will hear it and see it, and they may contribute, so we're gonna help them,
0: yeah, so let's get get everyone's eyes on it for sure,
1: yeah. and the other thing is there are so many wonderful Linux podcasts and video casts out there, whether it be in RSS feed, on YouTube, on Twitch, or all three, like we've been talking about. Um, I encourage everyone to go find and watch them. You never know what amazing communities you will discover and learn from, and you just might become one of the contributing members yourself. (laughs) <laughs>
0: which has happened to both you and I, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, members of the community, and then you get a little closer and a little closer, and all of a sudden, one day, you find yourself in the chair, so...
1: um
0: I agree completely. Yay, Britt. <laughs> Yay, Jill. <laughs> if you can show up, you know, if it's at a conference, if it's at Scale, if it's at Linux Fest Northwest or any other conference that catches your attention.
1: Yeah, get involved.
0: For sure. Um, even even in the online communities, you know, there's there's all these telegram groups. Yeah, and, and meetups.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and live podcasts that get recorded every week. So um just show up. You never you never know what's gonna happen. Well, thanks, Jill. I I hope to connect with you uh, really soon. And uh, thank you so much for your time and for connecting. This was really fun.
1: Thank you, Brent, so much. You're one of my favorite people in the community. And I can't wait to give you a hug when I see you in real life. (laughs) Oh,
0: thank you. Yeah, we did just figure out that um, we're both going to be at this coming scale.
1: Yeah. Yay.
0: Um, can you remind uh, some of us when that is coming up?
1: Yeah, so it'll be uh, March 5th through 8th of 2020. Uh, scale 18X. Amazing. <laughs>
0: that sounds great. Uh, I am, I think, in for a treat. It's going to be my first scale experience. so. Oh,
1: I'm so excited.
0: And I really look forward to meeting you there in person, too. It's going to be great. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Jill.
1: Thank you so much, Brent. love you community love everyone
0: (laughs) yes lots of love to the community thanks everyone